we are back in the football shed. Jeff King is here. G'day. Roger Gibbs is here. Hello. And my name is John Hewitt. I forgot to introduce myself. Hi, everyone. Um, it's the end of the season. It's a bit weird, isn't it? It, it is a bit sad. Weird. Yeah, I know. What did you bring? What beers did you bring to finish the season off, Rog? The heart. Oh, you're playing with hearts. Yep. Um, Hop Nation, the heart pale ale. Delicious. Oh, that's a good beer, though. Mm. And Jeff, you got no fridge beer? Yeah, I, oh, so I got a free bottle of wine. <laughs> and I was all excited about drinking a free bottle of wine, and then I realised it was white wine and not red wine, and I hadn't put it in the fridge, so I'm now drinking your wine. Oh, good. So, yes. I mean, it's the same as fridge beer, because it doesn't belong to me, which yes. is where I assume <laughs> fridge beer comes from. It's just but, room wine. Yeah, it's just yeah, other people's wine. Oh, good one. But we are the Football Shed. Um, we are here every week through the season, but not through the close season. Um, and we're called here in Melbourne um, in Jeff's Shed hence the name Football Shed you can find us on Apple Podcasts Spotify and Stitcher um, if you enjoy it don't forget to give us a review um, write a comment under um, on Apple Podcasts subscribe and tell your mates if you want to get in contact you can shoot us an email at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com or just message us on Facebook or Instagram and you can also check out the latest episodes on footballshed.com and every week we start with a question, and this week's question, because it's been the end of the Premier League season, is how many goals has there been in the Premier League this season? Oof. There has been 380 games. So how many goals has there been? I think there have been 1,042 goals. 1,042? How many games did you say, sorry? 380. Same as last year. And the year before. Yeah. And, and the year before. <laughs> No um, calculators, no calculators Rog. Rog. All right, uh, <laughs> 380, uh, 1,150. There has been 1,072. Oh, so what did you say? 1,040 something. 42, you said. That, so. Is that a record? Um, I don't know, actually. I so think that so. is, how many games is that roughly? Less Two than three? Yeah. yeah. That's still, that's impressive, isn't it? Although this week's games, I think, upped. Uh, the number a little bit with a 5-3 and a 4-1 and a 4-0 so. yeah but yeah that is the, uh, the Premier League's over uh, Man City won <sighs> boo do we care no, no, no. it's all a bit of a fizzer like there was a, there was a what was there there was like a 80 seconds well yeah I, I was going to you could say oh there was 20 minutes when Liverpool were technically in front but as soon as Man City equalised straight away you were like well that's over yeah, like, I um, it's just, it's I went really to bed sad. really early and then set an alarm and got up um, to watch the games and then got to about an hour in and went, well, this is all over. I'm going back to bed because mm. it was a fizzle. It was hilarious in the Liverpool game, though. I, was, I watched the Liverpool game rather than the Man City game and um, they thought Brighton had scored. So all the crowd started cheering. Everyone going nuts and the commentators like, oh, something's happened, something's happened. And everyone's frantically chucking nothing had happened yeah. just, just <laughs> it's just some, a rumour someone, yeah, yeah. someone in the corner just started cheering and then it, and then five minutes later they did actually score and everyone went nuts yeah a few crowd highlights did you see the um, Everton fans were singing uh, to Spurs how they want them to win the win the cup against <laughs> Liverpool <laughs> <laughs> like, really good um, but yeah is there anything from the last day that stood out that you kind of we thought that was amazing yeah, I guess we're going to talk about United after a bit because they've managed to make themselves bloody show pony again on, the last, on a fizzer of a last day. We'd like to get some attention on us. Yeah, absolutely. But but I guess we've got to talk about the top two to a degree. Um, as we said for the last two months, 
they're both going to win every game. It's a bit boring. It was a bit boring. Mm. Would you agree? Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, I mean, a couple of the goals in the Man City game were pretty good. Like, uh, flop of the year, Mares. Maybe <laughs> maybe just hammering home that he's actually quite good at football. Just in time, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Gundogan's uh, free kick was a bit special yeah. as well. Um, I, just, I just really feel sorry for Liverpool, though. Like, they had player of the season... Two of the top scorers of the three top scorers. They had the most clean sheets. They lost one game. They had the most assist giver in Trent Alexander-Arnold. Like, what more do you want? They did everything right. Come second. Yeah, okay, right. So, I... It's not good enough, is it? No, no, I know, but... And, so we have to live in this world, John. Like, so when you say you feel sorry for him, we have to live in this world where where I would rather everyone feel slightly sorry, sorry for Liverpool than have Liverpool fans having just won the league. It's been a long mean? time since they won anything, which is yet. great. Yeah, and which which means that it, it will all. That means the the longer it will be, the more of a outpouring of emotion there will be and that will last forever we'll never be able to survive after that happens so it's so great that they can have such a great season and still be losers no I, I I'm sad about it like to have the, the third best season in Premier League history and not win the league yeah is pretty unfortunate but you just got I think you got to take your hat off to the city machine and just say they were really pushed this year and they were still too good since the 30th of January Man City have lost um, they've won 18 out of 19 games and they drew the other one like that's ridiculous yeah and, and look Liverpool were 7 points ahead of Manchester City mm. so you can't feel sorry for Liverpool Liverpool had it in their hands for a yeah. long time and actually I'm going to say pull their finger out and win every game you know, did, did what Man City did for longer <laughs> just a game too late so, so we, can, we can feel sorry for them because of the you know, the hoo-ha, mm. the mythology and the rhetoric and the history and all of that nonsense, we can feel sorry for them. But actually, if Man City didn't win the league, but over two seasons got 198 points, I'd feel incredibly sorry for them too. That's that's a dynasty, isn't it? Yeah. That the, the difference between the two seasons points of mm. Liverpool versus two seasons points versus Man City, it's like a 30-point swing. And you, it's been 10 years since anyone retained the so yeah, title. It's an so impressive thing to do, but yeah. do you think now that Man City have won two... Uh, and they've done it so impressively they're going to win the next four or five that's like, going to be my question yeah, what, did, do they keep getting better and like is this a one-off for Liverpool because Man City aren't going to get any worse next year are they Like they haven't got an old team it's not like oh they're all retiring or they've hit their peak they're all quite young and they're getting better no Aguero or Aguero another year older I know that uh, they've got some pretty good you know um Jesus Sanding of Jesus coming through, but I think that he is still one of the best players in the Premier League, and mm. they will miss him when he goes. He might play next year, but he's not. He's another year old. He's only twenty nine. Like he's not even thirty yet. He's got three years left. Yeah, but you know what? He's injury. Nah, he, and this year he wasn't injured that often. Like I just, uh, I, I just yeah. think Aguero's getting better and better, and I think Guardiola's worked out a way to manage him. He, he looks play. fitter than he, than he it was does. Yeah, years good, ago. yeah. So you reckon he's got another couple of years in him? Definitely, easily. Well, the thing is, when you... Okay, so analyse... When Man City weren't doing very well in games, they did look shaky. Mm. So that there were points where teams equalised against Man City, or when they were you know, the last 20 minutes and both teams were in with the sniff of it this year, that Man City either were victorious or, or drew. But Man City did look shaky. You could get at Man City. When they, I, there were a few instances, I'm not going to go back to the actual game weeks, I can't remember so specifically, where they were 2-0 up. And when the score became 2-1... 
they were on the panicking. ropes. Yeah, they yeah. panicked. So when everything goes their way over two seasons, they can get 198 points. I'm not saying they're going to get many fewer than that. <laughs> However, we don't. They're not immortal. They're not untouchable. You can see them flap when when they're in positions like that, and you can see that other teams will notice that. There will be a way to, you know, what happened. Um, uh, with the Leicester game Leicester against Manchester City like Leicester put them in a position where they were panicking and they were, they were flapping and if it wasn't for you know fucking Jesus incarnate like scoring from 75 yards <laughs> then then they were in a very uncomfortable position and they were playing like it too so if I was if I was playing against Manchester City I'm obviously not I'm yeah. old and fat so if I if I was you know strategising how to beat Manchester City it's not through the you know the strategy this year it's actually giving putting yourself in the game with twenty minutes to go and watching them panic. I think people are going to learn that because there's been a lot of talk about when people play against Liverpool they think they can actually get something out of it. When they play against Man City they just give up basically. And I think people are just going to realise that you just got to go for it because if you're going to lose four nil just lose four nil and go for it and try and get something out of it. The teams that try and get something out of it against Man City like you can't all press like Spurs like we know that but you might as well give it a go and see, and I th- hope that people will start doing that more and more and we've seen teams that are just kind of holding on and defending one haven't done very well and their managers are getting fired like Chris Hoon got fired this year and he's just spent the whole year playing the most turgid defensive football just holding on holding on holding on it doesn't work in the Premier but League but we anyway. said that like we said that at the start of this year about Man City and we said it last year I mean we saw teams like Bristol City gave Man City a really good game in the Carabao Cup by yes defending first but then attacking with numbers when you get the opportunity to attack and we saw other clubs do that against City last year and they got at City and when we've seen clubs do it this year like yes be compact and you know make sure you don't concede but then if you're going to attack don't just you know hoof the ball up like attack with numbers like we saw Wolves do it last um, you know earlier this season causing mm. problems so I'm actually surprised that more teams didn't didn't yeah. do that like I know it's hard because essentially Man City don't give the ball away but I, I yeah I do I found that a bit odd that more teams didn't have a crack because I think they do look fallible but I think the other just on individuals um, if you're not giving me Aguero Fernandinho now Fernandinho's 31 yeah and we saw when he wasn't playing this year, Man City were not quite the same team. Now they played John Stones there, didn't I, they? Yeah, I, I think that. And Gundogan is great, but isn't as good defensively as Fernandinho. And now I don't think they do have a like-for-like replacement there. So I think that him being another year older and potentially he's thirty-four at the moment. Oh, he's thirty-four. Yeah, so, so he, he might he's be old. He might be gone. Um, you know, I, they're obviously going to go out and spend. 55 million on a, yeah. on a replacement but are they going to be as good like Fernandinho these last two seasons has been so good and when because Fernandinho arrived for 30 odd million and really no one knew what he did like yeah. he was a midfielder no and everyone, fanfare yeah and everyone was just like just seems like a really expensive Brazilian midfielder kind of like Fred um, yeah there's lots of those about <laughs> <laughs> but no one really knew what he did but he's found a role within Guardiola's team and he's made it his own and now that whole team relies on him and goes through him um, and so yeah maybe you're right but I just think Guardiola's so 
on top of everything, he'll have a plan for it and he won't panic. But then, but then so this will last until he gets exhausted again. It takes another six months. You know, <laughs> to the theatre in New York. Yes. Like, and, then, and then we're back to square one again, which is great. Square one's great. Do you think Liverpool will be as good next year or do you reckon they've hit a peak and they go a little bit backwards? Well, as you say, it's the third best Premier League season of all time. So it's very hard to say that they're going to achieve more than that. Mm. I can't I can't see Liverpool being as good in the league. They gave everything this yeah. year. And they've got to the Champions League final again and they're favourites to win that. But I just can't see than performing for 38 games at the same level But again. we can't underestimate that they've done that now two seasons in a row, getting to the Champions League final. Mm. I know but last year they scraped yeah. fourth. Yeah. But, yeah, but I mean, the other thing, last year, Salah had one of the greatest individual seasons ever. And we said that can't possibly happen again. And it didn't this year, but the team got better and picked up the, the slack. So I, I think there's enough, I think there's still improvement in Liverpool. Like, they've got mm. a... But I also think there's improvement in Man City, and that's the scary thing. Like you look at, you know, you look at both teams, and a lot of their core are quite young. Um, and you know, like Liverpool uh, looked brilliant at the start of the year when they had Gomez and Van Dijk playing centre backs. Then Gomez gets injured, but you think he's young; he's going to come back in. Um, you know, and you've obviously got Trent Alexander-Arnold, and the, none of these Oxlade guys. Oxlade Chamberlain will come back, but then you look at City and like Bernardo Silva and Raheem Sterling were just on another level this year and they're both 23 okay let's put let's try and put some perspective on this back at the end of December Mm. Liverpool were top of the league Spurs were second and Man City were third yeah so there has been an incredible second half of the season by Manchester City so they won 19 games in 18 out of 19 19. Um, that's incredible however the first half of the season they were the third best side so we we can't just assume that they're going to win every game again, yeah. again no. next year. So you know football is is an interesting old yeah. beast. And and, and oh, I, I, I like last week it was a vicious mistress of the night. <laughs> <laughs> now it's an old beast. I think I'd go with the mistress of the night. Um, I think you, know, you make a good point, Jeff. But um, I can't remember what I was thanks, going to John. Say, no, no, thanks. I can't remember what I was going to say. Oh no, I was going to talk about Spurs um, because Spurs are going to be better next year. If Pochettino stays, um, and, and if Levy um, gets his wallet out, actually spends some money, <laughs> but I, I think he Pochettino will stay, and I think Spurs will spend some money, and I think getting to the Champions League final ups your level in people's eyes. So if you're a player True. who might go to Man United or Spurs, you're probably going to pick Spurs right now because you're more likely to win something and play better football. Whereas probably twelve months ago, you go to Man United over Spurs. And so I think they've managed to go up a level by getting to the Champions League final. And I think Spurs could be that much better. But again, it's that keeping it up for the whole season. Because the last two years, they've been in and around the top one or two until January, February. Mm. And then they just get injured and run out. So so do do we see a more competitive title race next year involving more teams? Or is it going to be Liverpool and Man City again? And Jeff, you've been... City machine all year no one else is going to win it do you feel like that next year as well? well it's, it's hard it's like the machine versus the emotion this year and I think the reason why everyone's got on the bandwagon is the emotion of, of Liverpool's first time in however long and, and Van Dyke. no one's got past him look at the stoic yeah. you know well, and there's redemption but, too with the Gerrard slip like everyone loves bloody yeah. redemption yeah but we've almost been blindsided really and, uh, I've got an anti-Liverpool bias I'm sorry sorry about that but I'm not going <laughs> to excuse it um, we 
Liverpool are owned by billionaires and have spent the second most amount of money in the last five years. Yeah. So we're in, the the emotional rhetoric and story is an incredibly successful marketing department mm. to associate the football club who they are now with the history they have as a club. So the fact that they've managed to, to couple those things and not have it be detracted from, yeah. you know, the rhetoric. Whereas, whereas there are other clubs that, you know, you look at... Aston Villa, for example. Aston Villa could lean on their history in the, in the same way, but it would be, it, it would be very different if, if a billionaire came and bought out the club. Would yeah. they still be leaning on it in the same way that Liverpool are able to do? Liverpool have managed to bridge this gap worth of history in modern football where you still associate it with Liverpool Football Club. Yeah. So their, their public persona and their public face has made people get on this emotional ride with them. However, they spent a fuck ton of money just... A little bit less than Manchester City. They've come second. Manchester City have come first. I'm sorry if that sounds no, really no, shitty. No, I, I mean, and I don't. I just don't agree with you. Like, I, I think there's more to it than a marketing department. I think that, uh, you know, there is, there's, there is some emotion. There's some real emotion there as well. Like, I agree. You can have successful marketing, but to put it all down to a marketing ploy, I think devalues. You know, some of the. Um, you know some of the history and and the feeling around Liverpool. like they're a popular club and that doesn't just come from marketing. Yeah, sorry. I, then they made me they made my point better. I'm not saying that their marketing department has created this emotion. What I'm saying is that they have put a lot of energy into not uncoupling their history from actually being a modern overspending mm. conglomerate, which is essentially owned by Americans, spends stupid money in the transfer market on on the best players in the world buys them in that's not the origin of, of the history that's not the the building up from youth and, and playing the Liverpool way in the past and move it's very different in fact it's completely different what Liverpool have done incredibly well is disguise the fact that there has been a transition into this modern overinflated football but when club. you say they've spent the most as well they definitely haven't in terms of net spend so I mean, there's an argument that Liverpool is still a selling club. Mm. They are correct, yeah. You know, their their biggest players are still getting poached. Whereas I don't know if you could say that about Man City. Um, no. And I don't know, I don't know where that comes from. But like you know, we've seen it with Liverpool. Like this, there'll be talk of this summer about Salah. I'm sure we've seen Coutinho go. You know, we've seen Suarez go. I, there's only two clubs in the world that are not selling clubs. Madrid and Barcelona. No, that's Madrid and Barcelona. Mm. Every other club is a selling club. It just depends on what rung on the ladder they are. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd probably yeah, agree with that. But, um, but yeah, just tell me, are, is the City Machine going to roll on next year? You, you went on Liverpool rant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. I've got an answer to your question. Okay. So I'm not going to let Jeff answer still. Man City are going to win it by miles. <laughs> oh, great. That's, that's <laughs> depressing. I think from second to ninth could be really close. I think we're going to have one team run away with it, and I think Man City are just going to bulldoze everyone. But I think the Wolves, Everton's, Leicester's of this world are going to get a little bit better, and I think Man United are going to be crap, and I think Arsenal and Chelsea are a bit don't know what's going to happen. Spurs and Liverpool could be or should be better than that, but I could see second to ninth being actually really close, and they take a lot of points off each other. But Man City are just going to run away with it. I, I, yeah, I completely agree with you, John. I think, I think those teams that sit under that traditional top six are absolutely got the bit between their teeth that next year something can be achieved because when you look at the closing laps of this season and you see the points that were dropped and the disgraceful performances against smaller clubs there are teams out there that think 
wow, if we just put ourselves in a position yeah. to, to be in the conversation, we would have had a good run. And if you look, Arsenal haven't actually got much money. So they haven't got money to spend because they spent it all on Ozil, Aubameyang and um, Lacazette. So they haven't actually got a huge amount of money to improve. Man United need 37 new players, <laughs> which like... Chelsea um, have a transfer embargo. Chelsea have a transfer embargo. So the three of those, I don't think... And they have a manager that the club don't really like or the fans don't really like. So they're, the three of those clubs, I can see, could actually be in a bit of a pickle next year and not just go, oh yeah, we're top six. It's interesting, you know, I'm looking at the the way the Premier League table finished and we spoke a lot about Watford this year. Mm. Watford finished 11th. Now, we were talking a few months ago that they were having the best season of their life. They they, they might win the Everton Cup. They were doing great. I know they've, they've got into a final, right, um, against Manchester City, who might do a treble, by the way, the most yeah. underwhelming treble of all time. <laughs> yes. um, however, look who just sneaked no, above on that. No, Man United had one, didn't they? My <laughs> most <laughs> underwhelming yeah. treble... Is Mourinho saying the Community Shields a trophy, winning the League Cup and the Europa, Europa League? League. Yeah, that's, that's the worst treble of all grim. time. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'll yeah. pay that. I'll pay that. Um, but look, he sneaked above Watford, and um, I think it's interesting that West Ham. West Ham are on the same finish, on the same points tally as Leicester. And when you just spoke, and rightly so, I think about those teams that are chasing that, you know, the fallible teams above them. West Ham are on exactly the same finished exactly the same way that Leicester did and you know actually we've got a pretty good season under their belt got a bit of money got a, got a stadium maybe the Water Boys doing alright but they've got the Dildo Brothers as yeah, in charge yeah, yeah. it's going to go wrong oh, but then, remember this time last year it was, the, it, was it was a complete joke wasn't yeah. it they just had people throw coins at each other yeah. and a pitch invasion but then they invested incredibly astutely in the, in the summer transfer window and actually this season it's changed around for West Ham yeah. I, but I think kind of feel I always feel West Ham they're happy finishing 10th uh, and playing good football and you know, yeah. like having a few big wins at home, and that'll be a good season for them. So I, I just I can't see them going any. They might get to ninth. Yeah, they're too flaky, <laughs> I think, to go further. But um, but yeah, talking of next season, though, I wanted to talk about. Um, so we said Man United are a bit of a pickle and don't know what to do. What they've got changed thirty seven players or whatever. I was having a bit of a think about this, and I started going down a bit of a rabbit hole of who Man United should buy to rectify their season. So Man United, uh, they're team for next year Man United previously have bought people like Alexis Sanchez Pogba Lindelof Bailly all these big huge money investments Fred Fred this season <laughs> what a signing <laughs> um, and then I started looking at like the Liverpool team who have Fred yeah I know yes. sorry so <laughs> got it's like, what is that <laughs> what happened there it's awful 53 million wow. 53 million yeah, I know. <laughs> Wow. Like you could have got Richarlison for ten million cheaper. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, <laughs> but I was looking at Liverpool. If you look at players like Wijnaldum, who came from Newcastle, who didn't come with fanfare, had Premier League experience, and you wouldn't look at him and go, "Oh, that's exciting." Just another player in, but Robert's, early to mid twenties. Yeah, like. Robertson was the same. Mane came from Southampton. The Ox came from um, Arsenal. Spurs similar. They bought Sissoko from Newcastle. They got Kieran Trippier from Burnley. Alderweireld or whatever his name is from Sam. And I was looking at this, and they, they what they've done is they've bought players that have played in the Premier League, have Premier League experience, and are ready to go to the next level. Whereas Man United have gone, oh, that guy's played really well in that league, and just pulled 
pulled them out of anywhere and put them into a team. And I think that's where Man United have fallen down, is that they haven't actually bought players with Premier League experience. You used to do the opposite. You used to buy the best of the rest. Yeah, exactly. So what I've done is made a list of the best of the rest. <laughs> yes, I'm ready. I, and I, I Surely that's an obvious thing too. I always find it bizarre. Like the one um, Chelsea do it as well, or, or Bakayoko. Recently, yeah. like you know, played well in France for one for, year. For one year, yeah, uh, look, yeah, looked really good. But you know, it's a risk. Whereas surely it's less of a risk if you buy someone from the Premier League that's been doing it for you know a couple of seasons because you know they're good enough. Yeah, and so I had a look through anyone who didn't finish in the top six teams for players that I think Man United could buy. Mm-hmm. There was two teams that I couldn't find a player. Can you reckon you can name those two teams? Cardiff, yes, Fulham. No, no, it's just like Burnley. sorry. No, oh, no, I know I know who you've got from Burnley, Huddersfield, Brighton, Brighton. Okay. Really? Yeah, but Cardiff and Brighton were the only two. But the the big ones that stand out for me is I'd buy Ndidi from Leicester. So I I could I'd have either of the Brighton centre backs over your centre backs. Yeah. So there's there's your Brighton. Probably have both of them. Yeah, together. But I'd have it. These are these are my like okay, four. Let's go. Okay, we'll go tickle cross. Ndidi from Leicester. Tick, great player. Rice from West Ham. Yep. Van Bissaka from. Palace definitely um, oh who else where did I put a little star next to him oh and Decore from Watford yeah, yeah. Ev- everyone yeah. who plays with Decore has such high praise for it and he's playing the Premier League for he's three or four beast. years now he is box to box like we bought Pogba going oh he's a box to box he's not a box to box midfielder he's a fancy Dan midfielder who can do something magic but he's not going to drive you on if you watch Decore play for Watford he picks up the ball and he, he's a bit more Sissoko he just makes stuff happen. Um, and hes I think he's perfect. And you put them into the Man United team, you completely change the whole midfield and you'd make them a lot better. So they're your top four? They're my top four. I would go out and buy them tomorrow. Who else is on your list? Um, without, this could turn into a bit of a boring list, but Wolves have got Doherty, right back. Yep. Um, Everton, uh, Gay, the centre midfielder. Leicester, also Tielemans and Madison. Uh, both West Ham centre backs. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear, go on. <laughs> Diop and Bal- Balbuena. Yep. Um, Shah from Newcastle, the centre back. Is that a good, good? What about Lascelles? Yeah. Do you think Lascelles would be he's, a good? He's yeah, on your he list. Is, he's on the list. Um, Bournemouth. I've got Fraser, although I hate him, but he has got a lot of assists. You definitely don't need a left midfielder either. No. Um, and Brooks. Yeah, um, he's had a good deal. And I quite like Lerma. Burnley, I take the keeper back, Tom Heaton. <laughs> John, this is like a wish list. Jizzing all over these players. Uh, and McNeil, the young guy from Burnley. Yeah, he's good. From Southampton, James Ward-Prowse, of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, Fulham, Sessignon, and Huddersfield, Billing. Wow. So, there's what the Wolves one. I was thinking about this, and I picked a different player from Wolves. Oh, yeah? Now, I picked Ruben Neves. Now, I think Ruben Neves has been... Brilliant this year. Now, yeah. I'm not only bringing him up because he was my uh, oh, surprise, surprise player, of the- player of the year, but I think he has had a great season. It's you know, it's perfect for what United need at the moment. It's like a deep line playmaker. I, you know, my feelings on Carrick. I didn't overly rate him, but you're really lacking that since Carrick's gone. A like, Gomez from Everton Ma- type player. Yeah, Ma- can... Matic is a yard too slow to break the game up. And I think Matic's forward play was underrated when he was at his best. Like, that season when he was him and Kante were playing together. Yeah. But, I, I, like, I... Um, you know, he could strive forward, he could pass the ball, but I think he's gone. And we know, uh, 
yes, Pogba can pass the ball, but it's just too many periods in games where he just drifts. Yeah. Whereas I think Neves is his his positioning's great, so he can defend. His range of passing, like, is, is elite. It's brilliant. Like you watch Wolves play, a lot of the time they don't they play without the ball, um, and the counter attacking is brilliant and that's why they've, yeah. their record against the um, top six is better than the mm. bottom six is because they almost play better without the ball and then they break mm. and they you know it works and I think Nevers is the main part of that because he can switch the play so well because his range of passing um, and I think you put him into that United midfield changes it, it changes it yeah. I don't think this is just a United conversation I think I think this is a United yeah. and Arsenal conversation yeah, Arsenal yeah, and Chelsea. Chelsea. yeah. But I, I think Chelsea are, we can't even talk about their prediction because we don't know what's going to happen but I think Spurs already do this and yeah. Liverpool already do this Yeah. but I think Arsenal buy kids from nowhere yeah. or and hope they're good. players from nowhere for too much money yeah. or players from somewhere for way too much money who yeah. are actually rubbish yeah. uh, so I think this is a United and Arsenal conversation that, that actually this is where you should but you've got to say you pay a premium for them yeah, Nevers will now be 50 million yeah, players whenever yeah. bought Sigurdsson he was 45 million yeah. uh, he was he would have been in the best of the rest conversation and you pay that much money for Premier League experience. but when you're paying £53 million pounds for Fred who's oh, yeah. played in the Ukrainian league for five years <laughs> like you, it, it makes no sense to do that and think that he's going to come in I feel a little bit sorry for him but you can't make any sense of the fact that he's going to come in and run the main night midfield yeah completely right Yeah, you, if you go and spend £53 million on Neves from Wolves you're going to go he's played for a year in the Premier League he can do it. He's Under playing the championship. He's 22. He's hungry. He knows so, what to do. It, well, you said so. Which keeper did you say you'd, you'd Tom Heaton? Tom, Tom Heaton or Angus Gunn from Southampton? Was yeah, he's good. I'd go Fabianski. He's Fabianski. Or that's the thing. We've spoken a lot about players can get better, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and no, he's I, had a good year. When I think yeah. about Flappy Hansky, I think that he flappy his Hansky quite regularly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and that's what I shut my eyes and think about. However, he's had an excellent year. Yeah. And maybe he's taken that extra level up in maturity because he always had it. At Arsenal, he was always a really good shot stopper, yeah. but he had no organisational skills. His positioning was pretty pretty crap. But actually, this year for West Ham, he's been brilliant. So I'd, I'd say that he's found his level again. The big problem for Man United in this position, though, if you're Nevers at Wolves or if you're um, playing for a Leicester, if you're Tillman's at Leicester or whatever... Why would you go to Man United? You wouldn't. It's There's a basket case. And the only reason you do go is because we'll turn money. around and go 300 grand a week. Yeah. And then you create an atmosphere of money grabbers that don't actually want to play for the club. So you've created this vacuum now, whereas Man United need to go for those. I think it's you, not an easy fix. No. Like, it's not. There is in no way. Like, I don't think you're in a bit in a better position now than or have advanced any more than you have when Fergie left. No, not at all. Like, which is an indictment of how the club's been run in that time because you've got. I mean, you've you've talked about this a lot in terms of needing to think, you know, several years ahead mm. and what are you going to do. But I think they need to make some really brave decisions now to do that and maybe accept that they're not going to yeah. be good straight away next year because I, I kind of feel like they've always hedged their bets a bit because they're like oh shit we're Man United we have to finish in the Champions yeah. League this year so we need to sign these players to, to get us there and do that but I, I mean I almost think that you need to start again I think you, have, you have to go if it was me I'd go really young um, at lower so I'd go Declan Rice where you go yes we could get him out of West Ham Wan Bataka, yes, you could get him out of Palace. Sessignon, yes, you could get him out of Fulham. Like those kind of players that are yeah, in their teens, basically. 
and uh, have Premier League experience, and you could get there. Definitely would be excited to go to Man United. Okay, here's here's something, and I apologise in advance, but I think Fergie's slightly to blame. Okay. Oh, he is. Yeah, because in the last two years, when he was Man United manager, so he he spent his time as United manager building for the future. Yeah. Everything was building for the future. So he would look at the team in the next three years, you know. And we talk about how he had different dynasties, you know, yeah. D- different core players that, that were brought up together that, that came in together, you know, without using the cliches of the class of '92. But yeah. that was a regular occurrence where he'd always be thinking about three years ahead and who would be purchasing for three years ahead until his last two years. Until he didn't. And in his last two years, when he knew that he was on the way out, and not you know mentally or whatever, he just knew that you know I'm I'm hit my time. Mm. He just wanted to win the league one more time. He wanted to get one more than Liverpool. You know that that was his thing. And when he signed Van Persie, who was 29 years old at the time, he signed him from Arsenal and he won the league that year. Mm. That is a short-term fix. I read this week that he opted out of signing uh, Lewandowski in order to sign Van Persie because he was the Finnish article. Fergie two years prior to that would have been all over Lewandowski because yeah, he was thinking about the future yeah. so then you look at the clear out that had to happen when Moyes took over now Moyes didn't necessarily have the stature to get rid of some of these players who were bought at their prime who thought that they were perfect and it all fell apart from there so there was no building to the future in the last two years of Fergie's era and that is exactly why you are where you are now and did you hear um, I don't know if you heard this before but the um in the last few years, um, like scouts were retiring or moving on or whatever, and Fergie just didn't bother rehiring scouts. So we didn't have any youth team scouts. We didn't have any European scout. He just stopped hiring scouts. Wow! So there was, if you went to the training ground, there was loads of empty offices because there was just people not being hired. Why and did he stop? He just, just, he just he, didn't care anymore. He, yeah, I, well, he obviously cared about the club, but it was just that. That tunnel vision. That singular focus. I have yeah. to make sure that I leave having won more titles than Liverpool, and then I'm done. So it was too much to think about to go. Oh, I need to hire another, someone else. Will work that out later. Someone else will work that out later. I just need to make sure my first team is perfect. Yeah. And wins. And he got there, and then they fell off a cliff. And that's too. where you need the structure at the club or someone else to be going well hold on that might not actually be best for the football club Sir Alex but the problem is I mean he is a one off like oh, yeah. the, the, he was the club like he made he's a manager who made all the decisions and nobody could have told him to do that and we well I think we probably see it saw it a little bit Arsenal too like you know no one was going to tell Wenger when to go he was sort of always going to go when he yeah. wanted to um and this can this can be the issue but I um is there a good player in there with Fred? Is it because he didn't play I, enough, or is he? Um... I have a soft spot for him, but I think it's just a bias. Um, like I thought Anderson was going to be the greatest player of all time when he came to Man <laughs> <Yeah>. United. <laughs> um, I, I I think there is a good player in there. He's in the wrong team, playing in the wrong. He's, he's a shuttler of a midfielder, um, yeah. and if he was in the right team, playing in a formation that suited him, um, and in a scenario that was happy and fine and he was settled in the country I think there's a good player in there I actually see him playing for a, a Leicester type um, tactic I, yeah. I see him being good at that being good yeah. at transitioning quickly picking up yeah. the ball running with it he's not... good at winning the ball getting turned around running five yards giving it to someone yeah. else um, and he's quick and he covers a lot of ground but this amount of times I've watched him playing he just looks lost mm-hmm. he looks like a person who doesn't speak the language doesn't really know where he's meant to be which like, it's true. Yeah, it's exactly, it's exactly yeah. who he is. Yeah. There, there's some other things going wrong at United, though, as well. We talk, we talk about the 
you know, like the club's going great guns commercially. They're making lots of money. And, you know, for the guy running the football department in Woodward, that's always been his priority. Um, that hit home to me this week with the Ander Herrera mm-hmm. video of him oh, leaving. Yeah. Is that, have you watched this, Jeff? The emotional Twitter video. Oh, my. It is disgusting. I'm like, this is a guy that's leaving the club. And there's this like very slick, disgustingly cheesy video of him leaving, and I to me it just was it's really bad in really bad taste. And he's a guy who's leaving the club, who's twenty eight, twenty nine, played for us for four or five years, um, has actually whenever he plays played really well. He's not the most naturally gifted, but he will work hard. He can pass. Um, the only reason he's going is because people like Alexis Sanchez come in on half a million pounds a week and he's like, I'm on 100, can I have 200? And they've said, no. And he's like, well, I'll go to PSG then. And so you've created this atmosphere that's dist- so you're losing players yeah. because of Alexis Sanchez who does nothing for the club. Mm. Do you know the guy who scored for Cardiff, Mendes Lang, this week? He yeah. scored more goals at Old Trafford than Alexis Sanchez. It's <laughs> oh, damning, isn't it? That's like a damning stat. What is that? Sanchez will be gone in summer, won't he? Yeah, but, someone can afford him. Yeah, who can take him? Um, um, someone who is gone, though, let's move on. Chris Hewton is gone. Oh, what a sad day for Chris and his family. Really? Is well, he... I mean, obviously the bloke lost his job, so his family would be upset. Oh, I get paid out loads, it'll be fine. You, sure? I, yeah. you like Chris Hewton as a manager, don't I you? I do, but I've really lost patience with him the last... Three in 23. So that's what's got him relegated, essentially. Three, uh, what? Fired. Got, got fired. They, uh, yeah, won three games in 23, uh, which is pretty appalling. I, I just, like I've said this before on here, I've run out of patience with the, I'm not going to try anything attacking. I'm just going to try and hold on. And uh, it's like, he's done an amazing thing getting Brighton up and keeping them up for two years. Like, awesome. But his time has come. What I do like about it is Brighton didn't six weeks ago panic fire him yeah and, and get, then get relegated and then get relegated and get a Sam Allardyce in or whatever what they did is they went no because he's been here he knows the players let him see the job out and maybe they should have before the last game said this is going to be your last game have your farewell you yeah. can have your farewell say goodbye to a lot of people but I think it's a smart time for Brighton to get rid of him as soon as the season's over go thank you We've got to this point. Now we move on. He yeah. is going to be yeah, sought after manager in the championship. He is like he's a golden ticket to the Premier yeah. League, isn't he? He gets promoted all the time. Yeah, yeah. Just, he's a bit of the next Neil Warnock. Yeah. Oh dear. <laughs> Welcome to it. <laughs> is he <laughs> a lot nicer? Well, I don't know if you can tire him with that yeah, much. But, um, but and uh, Graham Potter might be coming yes, in to replace him. Friend of the pod. Graham, Graham, friend of the pod. <laughs> Graham Potter. Um, he's been at Swansea this year. Yeah. And done really well under horrible circumstances. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I've i talked about it a bit. I, I really rate him as a manager, and I think anyone that can do their job as well as he's done it this year in those conditions deserves a lot of respect. And I, I'd i be um, I'd be really excited to see him come to the Premier League next year. And Brighton also... So, Brighton are owned by a local guy um, who's put a lot of money into the club and the local area and stuff and done really well. But he's also recently hired, he started at the start of the year, Dan Answorth, Ashworth, Dan Ashworth, who was the head of the FA kind of football development side of things. So he's been um, heading up all the 
kids teams up through to under 21s hmm. that have all done really really well and worked closely with Gareth Southgate when he was under 21 manager and whilst he was main team he was out of the World Cup and everything yeah but Brighton hired him in the new year so he left the FA and went there and so he's their head of football development or whatever the chief executive of football um, it seems like quite a smart appointment it's the kind of guy that Man United need in a heartbeat <laughs> yeah. um, but he's overseeing the whole football structure and so he's obviously come in and said I think uh, Chris Hutton needs to go and if he's looking at someone like Graham Potter who I think is a forward thinking manager tries different things yeah. a bit like Gareth Southgate um, and can do something a bit special so I, I'm hoping that Brighton do really well next year. A lot of another accreditation whilst we're going down that into the uh, Crystal Palace's record ever points total in the Premier League. Really? Yeah. yeah. Amazing that they could get their record ever points total in a year that they were still in a relegation battle. It's a very Crystal Palace thing to do. But credit to them. I also kind of like the fact that Roy Hodgson's doing all right. Like we never think, oh, Roy Hodgson's going to lose his job. He's been there for two years, solidly just going about it. Uh, did Andros Townsend also score the goal of the year perhaps oh that's got to be goal of the season hasn't it uh, I think it, it was a bit special it was a bit special yeah. um, in the context as well it was absolutely brilliant um, yeah apart from that the rest was a bit of a wet sandwich wasn't it, it towards was. the end of the year um, Aubameyang scored a couple for Arsenal he's good isn't he uh, I love Aubameyang yeah. every time I watch him play he just he's just one of those players you'd pay to go and see because he just does something and you're like yeah. yeah you're good at football this is great but it, I am so on board with your analogy of Arsenal being half a team because I'm like <laughs> I know I know I you know was was also uh, Lacazette lack of threat was um, <laughs> was definitely a thing last year uh, I think he's adjusted to the Premier League and uh, I think it's going to get better and I rate him and I think him and Aubameyang especially when they play together like it's not fair it, is it it's great like they are great but then they are the only bit about Arsenal that's great and then, and then it ra- rapidly goes downhill yeah. yeah what could you do, do you know, so, I saw a, a list of the um like the highest rated teenagers in the world yeah. and bloody Gunduzi got on that list oh, the Arsenal oh, they were rating him sure 40 million pounds they were saying it's quite good 40 million pounds no, if he was that, if he was 40 Although, million pounds worth Arsenal wouldn't be as horrendous all the time Shank Tossen cost 30 million like yeah but they're not, you're not you're paying for the finished article with Shank Tossen <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, what other result or person I wanted to talk about uh, I really like Mark Noble been, what, what a goal been around forever like still a very good Premier League player you know, he's always he's like seven out of ten every week. Yeah. Uh, his goal was brilliant. I didn't know he had it in him. Like he like, like Hazard's when he when dribble. he cut back in on his left, I was like, no, Mark Noble, yeah, brilliant, great goal. I'm I like Mark Noble, but I'm so fed up of hearing West Ham fans say best player to never play for England. <laughs> England. Every, every, every time there's a New England squad announced, oh Mark Noble, does this John, time. John says that as yeah, well. Played play at every level, because yeah. <laughs> like, let, let it go. He's about seventy-six years old now. It's not going to happen. Oh, on that note, um, the England squad's announced on Thursday. <laughs> Great time to score a wonder goal, <laughs> yeah. Mark. You're in the Nations League, so maybe Mark Noble will be in there. Um, let's move on to the lower leagues. The playoffs this morning, Villa got through on penalties um, against who West Brom. West Brom, thank you. 
Um, so they will play either Derby or Leeds, which is the last game tomorrow morning. I really hope it's Leeds v Villa in the final. I think we'll. Do you know? I uh, um, I watched some of the Leeds and Derby game. So um, Leeds are one 0 up. Leeds are one 0 up, from, and, and they were away from home. Yeah, but away think. goals don't count. Yeah. Um, but the. We talked about, I think we all predicted last week that it was going to be a Derby-Villa final mm. and Leeds have been struggling a bit um, of late and we know that they've lost a bit of momentum. They looked really sharp against Derby in that game. It's a little bit controversial because um, Derby had a goal disallowed, the ref gave it and then the linesman called him oh, over yeah. and they had a chat and then they ruled it out. Um, but Leeds definitely had the better of the game and had quite a few scored a good goal, had a few chances, and they looked like they're back on they're it. Back on it. And I've, I now think I think Leeds are going to do it. I'm back on board. Oh, come the, on, what yeah, else? Yeah. So I mean, I think Villa will be hard to beat. But I saw them celebrating today, and I saw John Terry with a big smile on his face. Oh, and I'm mean, like, it just I, puts I, you off. Yeah, it? I'm just like, I, I actually don't mind Villa doing all right. But every time I see John Terry with a smile, I'm like you're still a really shit bloke and yeah. you've always been a shit bloke and I would rather see someone else get back in the Premier League. And when, for those who, who don't, I mean, for those that are mildly new to the Premier League and and British footballing history and don't know the nuances as well as, as well as other listeners, if you haven't already formulated an opinion on John Terry, he's a racist piece of fuck cunt. Yeah. Yes. And that's all you need to know. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well put. I, uh, it's really underwhelming watching uh, Villa and seeing John Terry on the bench. And then going, oh, that's gross. And then seeing Jack Grealish's hair. Oh, <laughs> like he walks up to take a penalty, and there's just like this huge mushroom growth on his head. I'm like, what is that? It's John Terry's just such a prick, and and he's he's such a bad influence on everyone who associates with him. It's so it's so sad for Villa because, oh, and no, maybe it's not. Sorry, Villa fans, but you haven't done your time yet. You stunk out the bottom of the Premier League for far too many years, and you probably should stay down for a bit longer. However, so come on, Leeds. Come on, Leeds. Yes. Um, however, if you do go up, please get rid of that man. Yes. Yeah. It's horrible. Uh, the uh, the other end of the championship, Bolton went down, obviously, and there was some more sad news this week. In the, uh, they've gone into administration. Um, so, uh, Anderson, the owner, was try was trying to orchestrate. Uh, um, guy called Bassini buying the club. Who, Some dodgy guy. Who was another dodgy ex-owner of Watford who got them all into got them into trouble. Um, but it didn't. It fell through. Uh, so they they're going into administration. So they go. They start on minus twelve. Minus next year. twelve next year in uh, the third tier of English football in League One. So. Bolton's plane, I don't think, is bottomed out yet, Jeff. I don't. I don't think it has either. I think they're in real dire straits. And when you when you look back, kind of misty eyed at the JJ Okocha, El Hadjouf era, where, when I mean, I used yeah, to really right. like watching oh. them play. Um, so it's really sad to see such a. Uh, uh, and I think because they'll lose a lot of their players as well because all the players are on one year contracts so they'll lose their whole squad basically so they're going to have to find players to come and play mm. in League 1 starting on minus 12 stinks so of Portsmouth does so it basically going to get League 2 players at best probably non-league players and yeah they're going to get really again so have you seen oh, it's really sad so if, um, since Christmas they've had a food bank set up for the staff of Bolton Wanderers yeah. so because they haven't been able to pay wages Jesus. and yeah. that like it's that side to yeah, to the plane dark. crashes that, that really you don't see. Yeah. Like we talk about point deductions and losing players, but Bolton Wanderers had a they were a Premier League club with a Premier League staff. 
you know and as you plummet like a stone these people are losing their jobs and and they've spent their whole life doing this and it's uh bolton's like it's like a sunderland as well i mean you you know we watched the sunderland documentary but uh, with bolton you know the football club is very much part of the fabric of the town and so i think with the you know the club going so badly it affects a lot of people just local businesses the pub around the corner all those Mm. little bits and bobs but I just hate it when it's essentially it's financial mismanagement that has got them largely into this problem Mm. and that it's greed. It's you know, it's a small number of people who are looking to profit from, well, you know, I, from football. I heard uh, someone say on the radio recently, which I thought made a lot of sense, that you have this fair, um, fit and proper persons thing, which is nonsense that the football league are men are impose on who if you come in to buy a football club, you're men to be a decent human and pass this criteria, but you can be bankrupt and been in jail for fraud, and that's okay. So convicted of weird. war crimes in Vietnam, yeah, yeah. but um. This person on the radio was saying that there should be a rule that's set in that if you come into the club, you yes, you are the owner of the club or whatever, but it's part of the community. So you cannot sell anything that is part of that club. So the car park or the stands or the training ground. Because what people are doing is they're just selling off, they're coming in, yeah, buying asset stripping and just taking, selling off bits and bobs and bits and bobs and selling everything at the club. So the football league should set rules that if you come in, these are the things you cannot sell. So what happened to Coventry, isn't it? So yeah. the Coventry yeah. owners sold their sold their ground and then started leasing it back. Yeah. And then eventually couldn't pay the lease. Yeah. They didn't have a ground anymore. Yeah. yeah. yeah that that in itself, it's just it's madness. Crazy. So at the other end of the scale, um, Salford City, uh, owned by billionaire Peter Lim and the <laughs> yes. class of '92. Yeah. Uh, and have promoted to League promoted Two, to League two. Yeah. fourth promotion in five years. So, what do you what do you think right. about that? If you were everyone else, would you be a bit fucked off? No, I have absolutely no problem with this at all. <laughs> okay, no, ha- is that because they're all ex United players? Yes, partly. <laughs> definitely biased. I won't lie on that. But I think every, there's a lot of clubs in the conference that have a huge amount of money from various places, but because it's famous people, everyone looks at it and goes oh this is crap this is horrible but that's just the way football works the richest clubs get promoted and that's how it works so I can't well, we, we just spoke about it on, at the top, exactly. top of the shed we spoke about the top two clubs in England spending it, and they were the richest exactly two exactly you know, the same not and the richest so, two clubs but the clubs that spend most what they have done is they haven't run the club badly they haven't asset stripped the club they haven't taken anything out they've invested in infrastructure they've added jobs to the community they've done the stadium up they've created a culture that is actually part of the community so I have no problem with it But they, and they've got enough money that there's nothing that says they won't keep going either like no. you know they'll they'll. I suspect that they will be one of the favourites in League 2 next year to get promoted to League 1 the aim is to get to the Championship within another five years I think which I can yeah. see that happening which is quite amazing really considering they came from oh, a yeah. proper non-league <clears throat> Um, moving on, last couple of things. Since last week, the Champions League second semi-final happened, so Spurs got through um, against Ajax somehow. Lucas Moura scoring a free um, in the last minute. Um, that means the final is at five a.m. on the second of June, Australia time. In three weeks, is it a bit weird that there's a three-week? Like I know other leagues have to finish, and there's FA Cup finals and stuff and things. But if you're an elite-level sports person and you play a game every three days and then have 21 days, 
the final's going to be crap. Yeah. I just It's going to be a pre-season type game. It's going to be awful. Chelsea had a friendly book, like a post-season money-speaking right. friendly yeah. before, before the Europa League final. You know, it's it's crazy. Well, apparently Liverpool and Spurs are both now frantically booking friendlies that are semi-competitive, going, we need to play at least once a week in a game behind closed doors that actually makes us go, we're still match fit. Because otherwise, you're screwed. Yeah. But at least they're both screwed. Yeah, you can true. see why they do it because they want it to be the, you know, centerpiece of the whole season that you yeah. know brings everything to a to close. close. But then that, but, isn't that um, like the week before the Nations League? It's four days. Four yeah. days before the Nations League. Yeah, four, the Nations League. No, I agree. I thing. think there's no reason you couldn't bring it earlier. But yeah. uh, there was one other thing I wanted to briefly touch on with the Champions League. Mm. I read this in you know. Um, on the weekend, and it was an article about how much it's going to cost fans to get to the Champions League. To the Champions League in Madrid, rather than the Europa League in Baku. Yes. Yeah. So essentially, saying that the you know there's a lot of Liverpool fans and Spurs fans have come out and said the joy of um, you know qualifying and getting there was then immediately tainted because they looked at trying to get there, and you know we're talking. Um, Flights have gone up to £1,300 for the game, which is 12 times the usual rate. You're having Airbnb, you know, places that have been booked way... No, well, ones that have been booked way in advance, that they're getting cancelled, and then they're being told it's actually going to cost four times or five times ah. what the people initially paid for. And then the face value price of you know tickets. So the, for a restricted view seat, you're now looking at four hundred pounds. It's a lot of money. And you know, it, it, so everything of trying to get there has just gone, you know, insane. Like there's some guy had like booked a, you know, a trip to do it, like a bit, you know, on the hope that Liverpool yeah. might get there. And it was 250 quid when he booked it. Yeah. And then the travel company have called him up and said, no, sorry, it's now going to cost you 1,500 quid. You can't do that. If you, paid, you, you don't buy a TV well, and that, then go... Apparently oh, you can, because it, it's happening all over the place. And I just... I mean, I, like, I love football, but you know there are bits about it that just make me a bit sick. And well, this, is, this is one of them. You're in, talking of the Europa League final in Baku, so UEFA have said that um, Arsenal and Chelsea could have seven and a half thousand tickets each. Yeah, max. This is also a disgrace. Out of sixty-eight thousand yeah. seat stadium, and you're like, "Well, what are you going to do with the other forty-five thousand seats?" Corporate, John. It's just so. And, ugly. I'm you, pretty sure it's thirty-five thousand of those are corporate. Tickets. And did you read the reason? No. Well, they came out with a really bland reason. No, they, they said that they have um, they've assessed. They assessed before the the allocation was given that the infrastructure in Bacau Airport can only handle that influx of people internationally. So they're saying that we literally don't have the facilities as a as a city to have that influx of people from overseas. Play it somewhere else then. But they don't give them a, don't give they them absolutely knew that. It yeah. makes it worse because it really does kind of expose the fact that the fans just are so arbitrary yeah it's just about a, a state you know two years in advance they give it to the highest bidder and it's like the Eurovision Song Contest it's just fucked so yeah I think that takes you know we should be looking to those finals and going this is the centrepiece of the season yeah. you know the, these are two massive European finals it, you know it's great that there's four English clubs there um, but 
you know, and then you just rip everyone off. I do. I like. I can see why when it's when I see stuff like that. There are always people that, like, particularly in Australia, that are where you have a franchise model mm. that look on those aspects of football and go, "This is why I can't support football." Yeah. Uh, okay. And I, and I, you, when it's stuff like this happens, you can see it. So play devil's advocate here. So how much is it for a ticket to the grand final? I'm talking. Oh, about, I'm talking about the, the local sport, sport AFL here. How much do you pay? A thousand bucks for a ticket to the grand final? No, no, no. no. Uh, it's expensive, but it's not. About hundred bucks. It's about hundred bucks. I know someone no, really. who paid two thousand bucks for the Australian Open final. She, she's Swiss, massive uh, Federer fan. Paid two thousand dollars. That's what tickets cost. Yeah, the tennis is. So, so the, like, so you're when we, sports here, no? yeah, but that's the whole point. When you just said that this is what you know, people. This is a stick people beat football with. Actually, this is all sport when it comes to that elite final level, best in the world. The prices are jacked. Yeah, I agree, and I and I hate that that's part of our society. But I think it is um, maybe because football's the biggest. It like it's exacerbated, but it is definitely rife in football. Oh, completely, and, completely. You know, completely we agree. talked about the the uh, the teams doing the best are the teams that are mm. spending the most money. Like it. Uh, yeah. uh, but you talk. So, how much are you going to spend for a, for an NFL? Super Bowl, yeah, like that's that's the same thing. So so this is this is right. It's just human nature to be just make money out of it. Scringy tickets. We're running out of time. Super positive today. Sorry, everyone. So well, well, (laughs) a couple of positive things to uh, finish on. Who's going to win the FA Cup final, Watford or Man City? Mm. Not even a question. See, and that both you just went. No one cares. Whilst I'm in, whilst (laughs) I'm in negative mood, I think Watford are going to be dismantled this summer. Okay. So I remember uh, an interview with Gerard Delafeu halfway through this season when Watford were doing really well, Mm. and his terminology basically went, "We're all too good to play for Watford. Isn't it good that Watford are fulfilling our ambition? We we all know we can be playing in top clubs and top leagues and." isn't it great that we're doing this for Watford but the, what that implied to me is that they all think that they're better than Watford and, and they just happen to be on a great run and everything's great I hope Troy Deeney wasn't there when they were saying that maybe Decore will go Man United oh, I'm convinced they will be dismantled we heard it here first um, other final this weekend is the A-League Grand Final for Perth and Sydney does anyone care? no <laughs> good one now, sorry A-League <laughs> and I'll tell, you, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you why I don't care so Melbourne City signed a player today Oh yeah. Um, you might. You might. How have they signed someone and the coach is gone? Oh, that's a that's a bloody great question. I tell you why. Because his name's Galloway, and this is his fifth A League club at the age of twenty four. God. Oh, God. Now, can I just tell you that there are 10 clubs in the A-League. He's played for <laughs> at age of 24, he's played for 50% of all possible options in Australia. That's a problem. Go away, A-League, <laughs> and come back to me when you've figured it out a bit. Um, does anyone have anything else before we go on to the end feature? Final scores for the year? Uh, just one, in terms of a good good news uh, Please, story. we need it today, mm-hmm. Rog. So, um, I read this in a... Um, a terrible paper this morning that I wouldn't normally read but um, it was a big uh, full page um, article in there which I thought was brilliant but um, this guy called Andy Brennan um, who plays for Green Gully and Lower League Football in Australia he used to play for Newcastle in the A-League yeah, uh, yeah, but I think he only played about five games but um, he's come out as gay um, and which I think is brilliant and you know he should be commended for you know such a courageous thing I, I hate the fact that it is courageous that 
he has yes, to do it. It's an, it's an indictment on our society. Um, but I think anyone that does it, uh, you know, you take your hat off to them and that can only improve the situation. But also on a less positive note, you know, I was reading the article and so the only player, active player in in the world in football who's in a major league who has come out as gay is a guy called Colin Martin who plays for Minnesota in, in the, the MLS. States, in yeah. the MLS. That's the only active player in the world. Now, how many football teams there are? How many football players there are? I just think that's a disgrace. Like there is something wrong, seriously, seriously wrong with our society when that's the case. Yeah. But I just saw that and I thought, one, I'm really glad that the paper um, thought Actually, it newsworthy enough yeah. to make a big article of it. Yeah. Two, I think this guy has just shown so much courage to to do that, particularly in a country like Australia that doesn't have a great track record no. with acceptance of people that, that are different to themselves. Yeah. Um, and so I I just I think that's to be commended. And so I was you know trying to look on the on the positive side of it, but at the same time you read that and you're like we just. His, um, if you go on the Guardian, is his whole statement that he wrote, and it's just a really well written statement and really well put together. And he talks about his nerves about coming out, um, but then how great he feels now that he's done it and he's that he's gone public about it. And yeah, it's really. Yeah, good. He feels like he's been living a lie for years, yeah. and so imagine now that just you can't even imagine how hard that would be. But I just think in that environment, to you know, to to be a strong enough person to come out and say it, you. Uh, he's a better bloke than me that's for yeah <laughs> completely agree um, I've got to say one positive thing about Liverpool before we move on to MP oh, wow. oh, okay. Um because I realise that I'm just being a complete you know you're being an Everton fan I am I am <laughs> uh, so of all of the noise and the singing and the dancing about coming second that I heard this week there was, there was, a, there was a statistic that I actually couldn't help but be blown over by I thought I'd read it out to you. So you remember we spoke this year about Virgil van Dijk in the Premier League not being dribbled past. Yes. So, so far, in the last 400 days, Virgil van Dijk has played against Messi, Suarez, Coutinho, Dembele, Ronaldo, Benzema, Bale, Modric, Neymar, Mbappe, Cavani, Insigne, uh, Hazard, Kane, Sterling, Aguero, Pogba, Lacazette, Sane and Son and never been successfully dribbled past by all of them. It's pretty impressive. Yeah. Is that also the main night shopping list? <laughs> so, <laughs> that would be quite good. Did you see Neymar's um, little flick over the guy on the touchline the other day? That was no, pretty special. I haven't seen it. Oh, it's, yeah, look that up. Um, Jeff, you got an end feature uh, song for us? Oh, that's good. Is that a special Last end of the year one? one of the yeah. year. Yeah, it was elevating. It's good. So, I wonder how the guitar will go after another winter in the shed being unused. I think we're going to have to say goodbye. Yeah, to... I think we're going to get a proper soundtrack. What's it called? Uh, Jingle? Jingle. Song. 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 Can we have a ceremonial burning of the guitar? Yeah, good. Yes. I mean, oh, yeah. great. Yeah. yeah. We'll film it and put it on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so we all lost in the end feature last week so there'll be no bets this week but this is the final scores for this season so in third place is Jeff King with $147 in second place is myself with $320 and in first place is Roger Gibbs with 568 
Which means that I've come second twice in a row, which means that's quite good. But And we lost money. So we that's lost. That's not good. If we bet all our bets, we were lost $55-ish. So... I've really don't gamble, people. Don't gamble. It's never a good idea. I'll let everyone down. Um, yeah, you have. But also, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and before we go, next week is the annual shed awards. So every year, um, we do some predictions at the start of the season. So we'll count up our points for those, um, and then we have shed awards, which are kind of a slightly random mix of awards. Um, and we will vote them all next week and it's always a lot of fun so make sure you're back I'm quite week. excited John about the Shed Awards I've I'm got a good excited. feeling about it this year and what we will do this week is we'll post the awards on Facebook so if anyone has any awards they would like to add or any comments they want to put in or any suggestions to who should win the awards you can get on Facebook and add whatever you think exciting times exciting times indeed um, the last Shed of the year next week. that'll be the last Shed of the year sad times maybe we should just do another one for the Nations League does anyone care about the Nations League the Nations League <laughs> <laughs> um, has anyone got anything before we go no right, thanks for listening everyone we will be back next week with the awards as we said um, as always if you want to get in touch shoot us an email at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram and don't forget to tell your mates to leave us a review and thanks for listening bye see ya bye